0: Welcome everyone to WRPX, your wrestling revolution podcast. I'm your host, Antonio Garza, and this week, January the 12th, we are going to talk about Impact Wrestling, a lot of a lot of today is going to be about impact Wrestling, but I do have a show that we are going to cover before that, and that is a show that I promised last week um, that I finally got around to watch uh, during the weekend, and that is Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling's Tokyo Joshi Pro 2021, this is the January 4th show that they usually do very early in the morning in Karakon Hall, Right when everyone's like starting to pile into the Tokyo Dome for Wrestle Kingdom. Tokyo Joshi has been doing this January 4 shows early in the morning. And they actually get followed by Noah who does them at, in the afternoon. But Tokyo Joshi has been doing it in the morning. And they tend to be uh pretty big shows in the sense of they try to have like big matches. Uh, last year we had the, the big... Yuka Sakasaki versus versus uh, Yamashita match, where they did the whole, like, skateboarding table from the top of Karakan Hall to the bottom. We had, like, the Tonda Rosa thing where she challenged uh, Maki Ito. And so they tend to be big-ish shows uh, in terms of uh, the, the cards they like to put. This is how they start their, their year. So they, they, they try to start with a bang, And in this show, well, they definitely started with a bang. It is a newsworthy show. Most that most like, like that was the thing about the show. I wouldn't necessarily say that it was like top-notch wrestling, uh, because um, well, it just wasn't. Like, there's really good wrestling. That don't get me wrong. It just wasn't like the best that you've seen of Tokyo Joshi lately, Uh, but. Let's go through the show really quick. Uh, the show started with Susume versus Arisuendo. Uh, this match, the the main thing about this match is that Arisuendo made her uh, long-awaited debut. She has been talked about a lot by you know Tokyo Joshi fan uh, fans uh, because she seems to have potential, but. And she's fighting uh, Susume, who has been wrestling for about a year-ish. I think she debuted in, like, late summer of 2019. But she's also someone who is showing a lot of potential. Uh, this match, even if it's... W- I mean, this is two rookies. Uh, imagine you're, you're a young lion type match. And Arisu doing her debut. And this was actually really, really good. <laughs> giving... The level of uh, of experience and competence that both women have, uh, I was really really surprised by how good this was. It's just like gives you like really, um, a good heart, uh, good like warm feeling inside your heart uh, that these two are gonna be like so good later on if they just keep training and if they really get into the wrestling thing. Uh, next up we had the team of. Moka Miyamoto and Yuna Manase, who we saw return to Gambare and at Russell King. Well, yeah, around uh Russell Princess. And they defeated the team of Haruna Neko and Pom Harajuku. This wasn't necessarily a good match. Um the, the, the thing I, I the only thing that I really noticed about this match is that Harajuku is starting to really like, she's learning a lot of moves, a lot of spots, but her execution still not there. Sometimes they look awkward. Sometimes they look mistimed. But Poem is starting to, to really, like, show a lot of stuff in her arsenal. I think she needs to work just on... I think she needs to work with more experienced wrestlers and she needs to work on her timing and, and all that stuff. And I think she can start growing a lot, too. Uh, I mean, personally, I would also hope that she would consider gimmick change. I'm not a big fan of her gimmick. But um, this I've never really been a big fan of of Harajuku. But in this particular match, I was impressed by what she was doing. Um, Maybe it was because she was, you know, across the ring from Yuna. Manase who has been wrestling for about seven years. She's quite experienced. She was the most experienced woman in this match. And so maybe that helped a lot. But uh if anything else, I'll I'll start paying more attention to Harajuku to see uh, how she performs with other wrestlers. Um, it's unfortunate that she always gets spurred up with like the Nekos and Miyamoto's and in some of those so we'll see how she does but anyway like it was a nothing match like actually probably arguably the weakest match of the show then we had the red and white rope rename in a capsule match uh that's a hell of a name this is hyper missile defeating choco nakajima and so here's the thing here's a stipulation of the match there were a bunch of like gachapon capsules hanging from the ropes Uh, They say there were about like a hundred and from those hundred, I think they said about six of them have winning papers inside. And so the stipulation of the match was that there's no pin or submissions or anything like that. Uh, Whoever finds two winning papers from all of the Gachapon uh, capsules was going to win. The match and the loser of the match has to rename herself to whatever. Uh, I think it's whatever the winners chose. Uh this this match last year, like it wasn't the same stipulation, but last year Choko Nakajima defeated Hyper Misao and Misao had to rename herself to like whatever. It's only for a month. Uh, and this year it was Hyper Misao de- who defeated Nakajima. The match wasn't exactly like It was weird because in addition to that capsule uh, stipulation, they were also being held by uh, ropes, like not as like a bull rope match, something like way longer. Uh, So because of the rope, the match got both hurt because they were just like the rope was all over the place. They were tripping the rope at one point broke. It was just getting in the way. But it also like led to them just doing like certain spots like tying each other around uh and going for the capsules so it was like it was okay i wouldn't really say that i was like like i've seen better stuff with misao and nakajima uh by themselves or even together this wasn't particularly good in terms of wrestling and actually i mean obviously i have to imagine that's not because this is wrestling but A lot of the capsule opening stuff felt like kind of shoot um like a shoot because they were just going through capsules like crazy and and you have to like i mean i figure they were marked the ones that were winners and at one point they get they did go to like one and one going to like the sudden death but it was really chaotic how they opened the capsules and that made me feel like it was a shoot Like I said, I have to imagine that it wasn't because this is pro wrestling. And, I mean, if you have a shoot, it's hard to believe that they went one-on-one. But, uh, I don't know. Like It was really chaotic, but it was really entertaining. It was fun. Like I enjoy this type of stuff from Tokyo Joshi and DDT. It's just fun to watch. It doesn't mean anything. I'm not going into a match with this stipulation trying to fulfill my work rate fantasies like this is just something that I watched to, to to enjoy and I enjoyed it. Uh the next match we had Mirai Maumi uh Miyu Watanabe and Naokakuta defeating Aja Kong, Misuki and Raku. And this is this was a mixed bag. I really really enjoyed the stuff that Misuki and Maumi or what did. But I wasn't a big fan of the stuff that Raku did, and Aja Kong at this point is, you know, she always does comedy at the start of the match, and then she'll do, like, a couple of spots later on. They were fun. I enjoy watching Aja Kong, Um, so, like, no complaints there. It It just wasn't, like, that necessarily good of a match. Uh... I like I said like Misuki Timi no I mean pairing up with the others was good but just that's because Misuki is really good. Um, I think maybe like the the bigger things to mention about this match was uh, at one point Maomi like lariated uh, Ajit Kong and that was really good and that was pretty much like the only thing she got in. Uh, what paired up with Kong also, and it was okay. She showed a lot of uh, she showed a lot of like passion, and that was good for her. Um, but that was it, like, pretty much. Like, n- not much to this match. It was actually like unfortunate, but then again, like at this point, you have to understand that if you have Kong in a match, it's mostly gonna be spots like that. And Raku, I just didn't, I just didn't get into her. I didn't like her. Um, I don't know, like. Raku is one of those wrestlers that I think that like in Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, a lot of wrestlers sometimes get into the promotion uh, with the idea of the idol dream. And I kind of feel like Raku is still one of those that I don't really know if you want to be a wrestler or an idol. And so like, I, I just can't get into her. But beyond that, I thought it was it was okay, like nothing match. Also, one of the weaker stuff. But then we got into like the good stuff of the show, the second part. Uh, it started with the Neo Bishiki gone. the team of Sakisama and Mei Saint Michel defeating the team of Hikarinoa and Sina Shiori. Uh, this was This was great. This like Mei Suruga in this match was fucking awesome. Like she she performed fast, fantastically again. Both uh, Hikarinoa and Sina, uh, she was great in the offense and the defense. Uh, she was, her acting is fantastic. She's just full of energy. She is a perfect uh, partner for Sakisama because Sakisama is tall, and and she like because she's really tall and thin, like. She's gonna be slower and more striking base. But then you have May, who is uh somewhat short and and she is just like running all over the place. She's full of energy and and she's more about you know grappling stuff and submission. So it's really it's a really good um, union between them because they complement each other really nicely. Uh Sakisama style, uh, is what may lacks and may has what sakisama lacks and so they they complement each other really nice and and it was a really good match i i mean Hikarinoa and cena were also really really good but realistically it was just may just having matches with everyone and she was just fantastic the stuff she does with her silver plate is fantastic because like i love when she throws it in the floor and then the opponent just trips, like that type of stuff. I think it's fantastic. And her reactions to that are fantastic. Um this was really, really good. I really I've been really really enjoying this team. They after the match they hinted going for bigger teams. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see like down the line, not necessarily soon, but let's say um I don't know like even Wrestle Princes too I wouldn't be surprised if we see Neobishiki Gun defeat the Bakuretsu sisters for the titles. Uh, they just seem like a good team right now to to really build. And I mean, saki is really well established in the promotion and May, I think it's making a lot of noise. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they capture tag titles down the line this year. But just fantastic. I really, really enjoy it. I. I don't think a lot of people are going to give this match like necessarily a high rating, um, but I really, really fucking enjoy it. Just may if if this match, let's say, gets uh, four stars may earned three and a half of those stars (laughs) because she was just like all over the place. I love that woman. Uh, Next up, we had Miyu Yamashita defeating Maki Ito by knockout. This was the long-awaited one-on-one match. These two have been, uh, in a way, feuding and, you know, just doing stuff together for a while. And it, it came down to this, to the match, for pretty much for respect between the two. I've, I've seen a lot of people say that this was Maki Ito's best match of her whole career. I personally like the Mizuki matches better just because of the story, I, I, I was more involved in the story with Misuki than this one with Yamashita. But I cannot disagree if you think this is the best uh Makito match of her career because it was really, really good. Um the, the story here is just uh pretty basic. Like at, at no point I thought that neither the promotion, the match or the wrestlers themselves. Try to salt you that Ito could defeat Yamashita, but we still had a Ito that was just um, defiant against the the woman that even she knew was better, and and that was the match, and she went all out, and and she took whatever Yamashita had to give, and she kept you know, getting up and getting up until the point where she just wasn't able to give up. And, and it's not that she was unconscious. Her body just couldn't couldn't get up after that one last kick from from Jamashita. And and on, on her side, like Makito's game was really good. She worked the legs trying to just uh, cripple Jamashita so she couldn't kick, obviously and and she kept just dropping Jamashta on her head with DDTs from all type of DDTs and and that was Maki Ito's plan and it was working for the most part but Jamashita just has like killer kicks and she can pretty much kick you from every any every side every corner and the 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 thing with kicks is sometimes one of them just knocks you out and that was the story of the match I, uh she hit the I f- I think it was like the corner rebound kick. I don't remember what it's called because she just barely changed the name a little bit. ago. But uh, she hit that kick and it's the it, I think I think it was a skull kick. I, I don't think it was the crash rabbit heat, but it, it may have been. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, she hit the kick and, and she just knocked out Ito like Jamashita was getting ready to like finish ito with with as soon as she got up but uh Maki Ito never got up she wasn't able to answer the 10 count and so jamashita won and yeah it was just a fantastic match it was really it was really brutal um like the submissions that ito was locking in they, they looked just brutal sometimes like some of them like I, I just felt uncomfortable by how Jamashta's body was bending. I was like, oh, like, I wouldn't want to be in those. Uh, it was really brutal. It was just a fantastic match. Like I said, I think a lot of people are going to say that this was the match of the night and of Makita's career. And, you know, like, I it wasn't for me, but I, I'm not going to disagree. Uh, it's one of those things, you know, where, like, it is perfectly understandable that you think that. Uh, next up, we had the semi final. This is the Princess Tag Team title match. The Bakura 2 Sisters, uh, Nodoka Tenma and Yuki Aino def- uh, defending and defeating the team of uh, Yuki Kamifuku and Mahiro Kiryu. This, I, I, I think I've seen like in my life like five or six Bakura Sister matches uh, that I fought. That they always start kind of like slow. You're kind of like, eh, not feeling it. I think this is gonna be the Backwards Sisters worst match uh, ever. Uh, but then as the match starts going and they start picking up steam and things start to get slightly more dramatic, I always end up loving the Backwards of Sister matches. <laughs> and I. This match, it wasn't my favorite. Uh like to me the, the Rika Tatsumi and, and Watanabe matches both from last year were far superior than this one. But this was not that bad. Um I I I personally thought that Kiryu looked good. Uh Kamiyu looked okay. Um yeah, like Kamiyu like sometimes looks okay and sometimes looks like kinda like just all over the place. Uh, kind of awkward, but I thought Kiryu looked good, and it wasn't as dramatic as other Bakudetsu sister matches, mostly because in this case, they were not underdogs. Um, they were actually, like, just above the the, compet- the challengers, e- even to the point where early in the match, it kind of felt like Kiryu was the babyface in peril, and, and even though the Makarutsu sisters are the babyfaces. So there was not a lot of drama here. There was really no point in making drama, but it was just more of the sisters just running over Kiryu and Kamiyu, And I, I enjoyed it. Um, definitely thought that Kiryu, like I said, like was, was the most impressive of her team. And I, I hope to see more of, I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of this team, uh, Kiryu and Kamiyu, just develop. Uh, we know that Kamifuku has the international titles, so it's not necessarily that we're going to see them, these two together for a long time. But hopefully they do more together. Uh, sometimes these type of matches can help Kamifuku uh, not overexpose herself and just be able to work the spots that she's good at. And that helps her a lot. But uh, yeah, that was it. Uh, you know, it was an okay match. like Nothing really special, but at the same time, uh, pretty decent. Uh, I think I think it exceeded my expectations because I wasn't expecting much of, of the TDU and coming for a good team, to be honest. And at the end, we had the Prince of Princes title match. And this was the one match that made people talk, or at least some people, fans, I guess. Uh, Because the white dragon, Rika Tatsumi, defeated the magical girl, Yuka Sakasaki, by referee's decision to end the 420 plus day reign of Yuka Sakasaki. Um, The reign is over. The, The magical girl has been dethroned. And it wasn't even by pin or submission. It was by referee decision. And this is another match that when it started, I kind of felt like it was somewhat sloppy. I thought Rika Tatsumi uh, wasn't necessarily on her game early on. Like, I don't know what it was because Yuka Sakazaki is really good at hiding those things because she's just like all over the place. She's really good at filling in like the silence or like the spots where nothing happens. She fills them out and she's really good at reacting to like not necessarily botches, but she's good at reacting to things to make them seem like even if it wasn't supposed to happen like that. Like it seems like a struggle, making it seem like like this is a real uh, fight. And that's part of what, of her greatness. And so at first, I started to notice those little things and I was like, oh man, like something's off. I, I don't know where, like how this is going to end up being. But as the match progressed, we saw Tatsumi just like get more vicious, ambitious and intense and she started going after Sakasaki's legs with, uh, uh, because R- Rika Tatsumi, her her story is that she like her story, like legit, is that she was invited to wrestle or to train by Yuka Sakasaki herself. So they've been together like pretty much from the start together. Uh, this isn't this is not the, the friendship story that they told with Mizuki That is a completely different type of friendship. like this is a this is more of a we grew up together. We may not necessarily be best friends, but we grew up together and and so they had like they they grew up together in this way so that they know each other and all that stuff. But uh, Rika Tatsumi once she actually got into like being a big wrestling fan, Uh, her favorite wrestler is Tatsumi Fujinami who is I mean who is the dragon you know Tatsu means dragon uh and so a lot of her moves are based on on Fujinami you know the dragon screws the dragon suplex all the the dragon stuff (laughs) and so in this match we saw Tatsumi just like spam the dragon screw on Sakasaki she destroyed her legs it was actually pretty incredible. Like there, there's a spot towards the end where Sakasaki's in the floor and just Tatsumi like dragon screw, dragon screw on the different leg, dragon screw, dragon screw. Like just over and over and over and over and over again. She's completely decimating uh Sakasaki's leg. And at the end, the thing she does is she locks in a good old faithful figure four leg lock and and she holds it and she holds it. And it gets to the point where Juka Sakasaki is not giving up. And the referee starts to notice, like, Tatsubi is 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 willing to break Sakasaki's leg to win the title. And Sakasaki, like, there's nothing that's ma- going to make her tap out. And so the ref just simply decides, this is it. I, I need to stop this before it, someone gets hurt. And... And awards the title to Tatsumi uh, by referee decision, and it like I don't know, like it felt weird. This is for Sakasaki to lose the title. In my opinion, I thought that this was only her fir- fifth defense, and so it does feel like there was much more that you could have done with her. Uh, we we had seen her grow with the title, and you know her. Her demeanor, her mannerisms, everything she had grown as a wrestler. Um, there were... Maybe you can make the argument that you can grab someone like uh, Watanabe or Ito uh, and build them up to challenge even though they're not really at that level yet for Sakasaki. Uh I mean, you can make the argument that you can bring in someone like Asuka or Sari and challenge her but beyond that like yuka had already gone over most of the contenders that she should have gone uh she had defeated already yamashita and mizuki and and so i understand that at this point you may as well just take the title i think it was more of the of the issue that yuka sakasaki didn't have it like more defenses throughout that 400 plus day reign i think that's where tokyo joshi like maybe like fucked up a little bit and not giving her more defenses um they like to build those defenses into big deals and so they just take longer to to find those and i think that's where it feels like a combination of she could have done more but at the same time it was already 400 plus days like how long can you go? I, I think it's a promotion. You don't want your title range to go so far. They then can't break your own records when you're trying to build someone new. And so I, I think it's okay. And and I think Tatsumi is like the perfect, I think, at this point, girl, woman to make your champion. She is someone new in the main event scene, in the title scene. Um... She had been a tag team champion for the last year, and but like I think it's good to push her now as the the main uh, wrestler of your promotion, because um, things are gonna feel fresh for like for the first time in like in a long time, uh, so that's good. Uh, at the same time, it's gonna help Yuka and Yamashita and Nakajima, like all of them. To be away from the title for a while, um, they may challenge, of course, but it's going to be good for them to, like, start doing things without the titles. Uh, I want to compare this, like, for instance, with uh, Okada's, Kazuchika Okada's 2020, where he spent the whole year away from the title trying to kind of, like, establish that his, his gimmick, his whole, like, world cannot just be linked to the title. He has to be able to do things without the title, uh, because otherwise once you lose a the title, then you feel just like an empty gimmick. Like if your whole thing is just winning titles, then it gets to a point where you're not going to have a title and you're just going to feel empty. And so it's better to find like, to take those titles away and find new people to run with those titles and try to use that time to grow as a wrestler outside title scenes and i think that's something that we are seeing right now with Yamashita uh, as she has been feuding with Makito but i hope this will be like now Yuka Sakasaki's road in 2021 where she starts to do things outside of that title and by all means i mean we may see her and And Mizuki challenge for the tag titles again. She may just get into a title. uh, I mean not a title. Like just a feud for herself. Uh, We'll see. But uh, I'm just happy for. That this is a direction that they took. And I think they took it at the right time. It's 2021. So they're going to start the year. With a new champion and new direction. And after the match. uh, Miyu Watanabe. uh, Tatsumi's tag team partner. Came out. She congratulated her. And. Asked for a first title match. And I think they're going to have it on February the 11th. I think. So. I think so yeah. So. I don't know like. It's. It's you know. Pretty simple. It it was really really nice. Uh, the match. The match wasn't the classic that. Sakasaki and Mizuki had. But. It was still pretty good. Um. Uh, I really really enjoyed the end of the of the match where like Tatsumi was just like a demon possessed uh, she was just like trying to destroy Sakasaki's legs and and a lot of Sakasaki's really good at selling and so she was really really selling the pain and you know the screaming cuz like you can hear the screams right now so it was just fantastic uh I I thought that this was the match of the night but like, again, like I could say, a lot of people think that Yamashita versus Ito was the match of the night. So but I think they're give and take. I don't really think they're that much different from each other. But that was uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling start of the year. Tokyo Joshi Pro 21 uh, from January the 4th. Like I said, uh, Karakon Hall. Uh, this was just, it was a good show. A good show to start uh, Tokyo Joshi this year. If you're trying to get into the promotion, this show is, I mean, may as well just be the show where you can start with, because you're going to start with a new champion, you know, and you may not know much about this champion right now, but you're going to see how her career as a champion starts and progresses as, as it goes on. Uh, so this was a good show. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. And... That was the only show that I really got to watch uh, from Japan this uh, weekend. I I watched New Japan Dash. I mean, you, yeah, New Japan uh, New Year's Dash. I I thought it was good, but not necessarily something that required like a show to talk about. Uh, we still don't know what's gonna happen with Jay White. And New Japan right now is in the process of announcing cards for New Beginnings and the New Japan Cup. Uh, as we know, Japan right now just went back into lockdown, so I think a lot of shows are still like I mean, they're being announced, but I I don't I don't know if any show is gonna happen until it actually happens. I mean, we I think we, I've already seen the show of Assemble uh be canceled. Stuff like that. So we'll we'll see how things happen for for the rest of the promotions. But so far, uh, we are getting to see more uh, shows pop up or at least be announced. Uh, but I don't necessarily want to run down every anything right now because it's still like up in the air whether things are gonna happen or not. But where things are happening right now is the united states particularly impact wrestling and oh boy has it been a start for the year for them because uh i I can't remember the last time they had this packed of a start and i guess we may as well just start the impact traffic report welcome everyone to impact wrestling Impact Wrestling started this year in a really strong way. Um, we are four days away from Hard to Kill, the pay per view that will be main evented, you know, with that guy from from AW Kenny Omega. But this past Saturday, they also had their first Impact special of the year, being Genesis. Uh, with the Super X Cup, they had their go home show today. Uh, january the 12th and like i said uh four days away from hard to kill this is just like a combination of shows that are i mean it's a packed week for them they actually are running right now wrestle week on axis and they're just doing like a bunch of like uh shows like impact on 60 i think they're doing like a watch along movie thing with the group brothers i think they're doing like a documentary thing. I think they're showing Bound for Glory from uh, last year. So there's just like a bunch of things being celebrated right now on Axis. But um, because of that, we have a, like an extra large uh, impact traffic report this week. Uh, I want to go over quickly over Genesis and then we can go over tonight's show and quickly do a, a, a really, really quick preview of hard to kill i think the full card has been announced now and so let, let's just just start uh impact wrestling genesis 2021 this took place on january the 9th uh, also from nashville tennessee where they've been doing all their tapings this this show when we went in we only had three things really announced it was a super x cup um, tournament, which was an eight-man, wait, it was an eight, yes, eight-man uh, single elimination mat, uh, tournament. We had Moose versus Willie Mack in an I Quit match, and we had Jordan Grace versus Jazz. Those weren't the only things announced. Uh, it really seemed like a bare-bones show. You had really none of the stars, like no Callahans, no Edwards, no Rich Swan no machine guns, big brothers, like, big brothers, uh, good brothers, like, none of that stuff, it was, like, they really, really put their coins, uh, into three concepts, and, oh, boy, was this show good, it was just consistently good, top to bottom, like, even the weaker matches had something going on for them, uh, it was, like, barely any shenanigans uh inside the ring the the tournament itself was just like straight up wrestling and so let's i'm gonna run down really quick uh, there's not really much to say in the openers uh we had ace austin defeating suicide okay no okay opener uh yeah nothing to it uh ace austin just looks fantastic <laughs> what's else to say Uh, we had Blake Christian, you know, the, the indie darling that's making noise right now and everywhere like GCW and New Japan. Well, now he's here and he defeated Casey Navarro, Navarro, who, in my opinion, Navarro showed way more charisma and, and a lot more like than Blake Christian. But understandably, since Blake was going all the way to the finals, spoilers, uh, I think they just gave Navarro a lot in this match. And the story of the match was actually that, like, Navarro wanted to show that he could do uh, the same or even better than Blake Christian can do. And so there was another okay match. Uh, I didn't think it was anything special, but it was just fun. I I can't imagine Navarro comes back to impact. I don't know why. Like, he, he doesn't seem like... The impact type of guy but I also wouldn't be surprised if, if they would bring him in for the exhibition Uh, next up we had Cousin Jake defeating Daivari and this was just like mm, contrasting like the rest of the matches in the tournament this was a hoss fight it was just two big dudes clobbering at each other a lot of whipping like uh, a lot of chops close line shoulder tackles all that type of stuff and at the end Cousin Jake won with a black hole slam um this was actually, uh, th- this I thought was better than the previous two matches. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was the contrast thing that made it better for me, but this was good. I thought Cousin Jake looked really good. And you like, he was really good at putting Jake over. And next up, we had the final uh, first round match of the four. This was Crazy Steve defeating Trey Lamar. This was surprisingly good. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't expecting much from Crazy Steve uh, in the tournament, but he actually put his his working shoes on. the The thing with Crazy Steve is, once he can, once he gets over the the crazy weird gimmick thing that he's gonna do at the start of every match, he can actually go and have a good match. And this is kind of what he did throughout the night. In this match, it was a lot of like uh, Trey Lamar just being weirder out at crazy steve until they started wrestling and i don't know it was surprisingly good i i in my opinion i thought trey lamar could have had like a better match with anyone else but at least he got to show like his acting skills i don't know uh, i actually wasn't really sur- uh surprised or anything by trey lamar i thought he was just like in a way your quintessential indie guy right now I think he still has a lot to go um uh, you know in the indies like make make a name for for himself uh but yeah I was really really surprised by Crazy Steve uh it was it was really nice to see that he can go uh I don't know like why don't we get this Crazy Steve on a weekly basis? Uh I don't know uh then we actually went straight into the semi-finals uh i was actually surprised that we went straight to the semifinals. finals i thought we were gonna have the jordan grace match in between those but no uh we had first ace austin defeating cost and jake and this was uh really great this was great like they kind of played the speed versus uh power like uh, match uh which was kind of weird because if you see ace austin right now like he is arguably bigger uh, than a lot of the guys. He is fucking huge. So, I mean, you can still play because Cousin Jake is still bigger. But at the same time, like, Austin is pretty big himself. But, I mean, it was just, like, a great match. Uh, this Cousin Jake is another guy who, like, really, really surprised me uh, this show. Well, not surprised because I've always known that Cousin Jake or Jake something in the inter in the indies is really really good uh he just doesn't get to show it that much in on impact mostly because he was always paired up with co- uh, Cody Deaner doing mostly comedy that's uh to a certain point but now that he had like a chance to just have a match like no drama or anything into it like he had a great showing um uh, so yeah between the D- daibari and this match cousin Jake was one of my favorites uh for the night and at, at the end of the match like they actually played a little bit of, of cousin Jake like for instance going for the Black Hole Slam again but then uh, Ace Austin kicking out and and at the end uh, Ace Austin won and it was just like really really good um, they, they played a lot with Fulton and Jake just eyeing each other but even though like they never come in two blows uh, that's a match that I wouldn't mind seeing Cousin Jake versus Fulton and the other semi-final was Blake Christian defeating Crazy Steve. And once again, this was really good. This was great. Uh, Crazy Steve, like, like what the fuck? Where is this Crazy Steve on a weekly basis? Uh, the story of the match was, it was, I mean, barely a story. Uh, early in the match, we saw Crazy Steve talking to his pet monkey. And then Blake Christian accidentally kicked the monkey off the apron. And so, like, Crazy Steve just, like, snapped and went crazy. And so, he worked, like, a heelish side. Uh, I wouldn't say heelish, just, like, straight up, like, way more vicious than usual. But, it like, again, like, he he performed really good. Obviously, Blake Christian uh, gave him a lot and and worked with him. But it was just, like, a a great match by Crazy Steve. Um, I don't know, like, it, it obviously takes two to tango, but the thing that I can say about Cousin Jake and Crazy Steve tonight or that night was that they had good matches with two different people, uh, somewhat different type of people too, you know? So, I don't know, like, I think, I, I wish that Impact would see this and, and just consider, like, not making these characters into comedy acts like let them do stuff let them have matches let them chase the, the 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 impact like the exhibition or the impact at titles or something uh because they really really show that they can go um yeah crazy steve just surprised me tonight <laughs> for sure uh we had jazz and jordan grace jordan grace defeating jazz um uh, these two have been a tag team for the Knockouts Tag Team uh, Championship Tournament. And once they lost, uh, Jordan Grace challenged Jazz to one match before she would retire. And so they had a match and holy shit, it was also a great match. Uh, like Jazz, like they started like kind of soft with each other. But after as the match went on, you, you could tell that they just got way more comfortable in just putting weight into the attacks and into selling and into everything. And so, like, at the end of the sh- of the match, they're just, like, going at each other with everything. They're taking huge... Like, Jazz is taking huge bumps, and she's pulling off, like, big moves, and Jordan Grace is just going all out. And they had a great match. Like, granted, it this is not going to be a uh, uh, five stars. I gave it uh I gave it like three and a half, uh pushing it to four. But you have to consider that Jazz is in her fifties. Uh I think she's fifty. Uh she is about to retire and like she may not be in her prime, but holy hell the the, the lady can go, man. The lady can go. She was really, really good. And and Jordan Grace was Perfect to to like just bring it to her. But at the same time like not overexpose her. And so it just ended up being like a great match. I was really really surprised. I wasn't expecting anything from this match. And, and I actually was like also really surprised. Uh, not surprised by like, like crazy Steve. But like just surprised by how. It ended up being way better than I expected. Uh, then up we had the Super X Cup Finals. Austin defeating Blake Christian, this was the match of the night. It was just a fucking banger. It was just great wrestling all around. It was super acrobatic. Like, from all the whole tournament, I'd say this was the most aerial match uh, that we had. But, like, sometimes when we talk about aerial matches, we, we start to think of matches that look, like, choreographed or that they're, like, going through sequences. But, like, this one just felt, like, straight up just, like, Uh, a fight between two wrestlers that just happened to do a lot of flippy and twisty things when they dodge each other. And so it was just really good. Um, We had like a bunch of like big moves, like Blake Christian was going for the twisting splash and, and for fifties and Ace Austin was going for folds. And, and at the end, like uh, Ace Austin just caught a second fold for the win. And it was just great. Madman Fulton wasn't even at, at ringside because Ace Austin told him to to go to the back. He wanted to win his by himself. And Fulton obliged, and he never came out. Uh, he came out, like, after the match just to celebrate. But it was just, like, so nice to see, like, such a good competitive match between two, like, arguably up-and-comers. I mean, Ace Austin and Missouri was established on, on Impact. But he's still an up and comer in the industry, and it's just like fantastic. Like this match is something that I would recommend, like go out of your way to watch. I I would say that about most of the show, at least from the semifinals and up. But but this match was just so fucking good, and at the end we had the I Quit match between Willie Mack and Moose. This so this is a story to tell tells. The match was. Pretty bad. Uh, And here's why. Uh, It being an I quit match, and this is an issue that I have with I quit matches, uh, and actually last man standing matches too, is that the referees keep interrupting the match to either count or ask, and it gets really, really annoying, especially when like sometimes you see... Uh, in a last men's standing match, or in this match, in this case, where, like, it's it hasn't been five minutes that the match started. It hasn't been like three minutes, and they do like a big ish move, like I don't know, whipping you to the ring post or whipping you to the guardrail, and it looks like painful, but like, and then like the referees start like asking you if you want to quit or or like they start counting the ten, and you're like it's been three minutes and that was just like a whip like what the fuck are you doing like even i don't know like even an old man you know uh that can, like even nature boy you know would still stand up after being whipped three minutes into a match like why are we asking why are we stopping the match for like I know it's really mag and moves like top level athletes. Why the fuck are we stopping the match every minute to ask this stupid question? And it really, really got on my nerves. Like literally like it wasn't a minute in that the referee was already asking. him, like, dude, like what kind of wrestler would like lose a match by saying I quit within a minute by being whipped to like anything like, you can be whipped to bar wire and you still wouldn't quit in the first minute. So, I was really, really annoyed by this match. Eventually, Moose did kind of, like, he started this whole thing where, like, I don't care about winning this match. I'm just going to beat the shit out of you, Mac. And so, the, the match got better because he stopped. Like, we, we he, he pretty much stole the referee to fuck off. And that helped a lot it gave gave us like time to really really uh execute spots and sell those spots and build up to those spots and we actually got like a good decent weapons match but at that point i was already like oh let's 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 get it over with uh and the the i guess the thing about this match at the end was that the the finish was kind of weird uh it's a finish that made me feel that this was more of an angle than an actual match which i don't mind seeing those things as long as we're not watching like 30 minute matches that end in an angle but in this case uh we saw moose just beat the shit out of mac to the point where mac couldn't even defend himself and moose is about to pilmanize uh willie Max's neck i arguably break it uh and rich swan willie Max's friend and impact world champion comes out and he's like dude dude just like stop you're going too far you already won the match like and i would say this is also like a booking error uh in terms of the referee because the referee Arguably, in this type of matches, it doesn't end until Mac says, I quit. But if Mac is knocked out, then technically he cannot say I quit. And so the referee should have called for the ring. But uh, before he did, uh, Rich Swung came down and he was like, dude, stop. You're going too far. This isn't necessary. You already won. And Moose is like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to break his neck. And there's nothing you can do about it. And so Rich Swan was like, okay, I, I know... You want the title shot? I'll give you the title shot if you let Willie Mac go. And so Moose just said, "Like that's all I ever wanted. I quit." And that was it. Mac technically, by by technicality, won the match. Uh, but like Moose is the one that's walking out on top, super dominant, and with a title shot in his pocket so that that's what I'm saying like it I it feels more of an angle than a match but it was also like long enough that's hard to like really quantify when at what point like you're overdoing it uh like I was talking about this in, in the sense that if this had been uh any other type of match it would have been really, really annoying to go through like 20 minutes of a match and then have that finish. But it, this being a I quit match, I don't think you can go quickly for the knockout and I can't respond anymore type of ending without actually... Going through a lot of stuff that makes it seem like super intense that once you're knocked out, you're like, yeah, I can legit believe that you are now knocked out. And so I I wasn't as harsh as maybe other people were just because of that. Like I felt like this being an equid match kind of forced it to have to be long-ish and brutal before going to the, to the knockout and not being able to respond and finish. So, I'm, I'm, like, I don't like it, but I, I understand it and I accept it. Uh, because, like I said, to me, this was more of an angle than a match. It was just like a really, really long angle, I guess. But that was a show. Like I said, I thought it was consistently good uh, inside the ring. Barely any shenanigans aside from the Willie Mac stuff. But like the rest is just like straight up good wrestling. I truly recommend this show. It. It's unfortunately not really a show that you see it and you're going to be like, like, I cannot tell you this is Impact Weekly because it's not. <laughs> but if you just feel like watching good wrestling, this was a good show to watch. Uh, It went by pretty fast. It's just like, yeah, like I definitely if if you're interested, start from the semifinals forward. You don't have to watch the openers. But um, uh, I don't know. Like, good show, good show. And that leads us to today's uh, January the 12th episode of Impact Wrestling. This is the go-ho show to Hard to Kill. So these shows tend to be um, like somewhat uneventful in the sense that everything is already set up. There's really not much to set up at this point. It's more about just adding, you know, fuel to the fires. And so... That's, a, that's how I would describe this show. It was somewhat uneventful, but when it comes uh, well, I mean when we rate it as a go home show, I thought it was uh, it was good. I think it did the job properly. It touched on all the matches for the pay-per-view. Uh, some of them were touched on like a video package, some were matches, some were angles. and so I don't know, good work uh we starting from the top uh we started with kimberly defeating Taya balkyrie and you're 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 probably asking the same thing that i asked myself like two hours ago uh why is kimberly defeating Taya balkyrie if Taya balkyrie is the one getting the title shot at diana paraso at the at the pay-per-view well the thing is that they introduced susie who we know is uh, Sue Young's new alter ego, as being part of, I guess, Deonna Parasso's, uh group. Uh, or in a way, they're just going to be paired up at this point. Because while Taya was beating up Kimberly, uh, Rosemary and Diana Perasso got into, you know, like their own thing outside the ring. And Susie came out and she joined Diana Perasso. Uh, and they started beating up Rosemary, and so at this point, I have to believe, like the to me, this was to introduce the idea that at the pay per view, it's not just uh, Kimberly that's gonna be out there with Diana Paraso. There's always Susan, uh, who also may or may not uh, interfere at one point, and so that I thought was. Uh, an interesting addition. It's just like it, It's like adding just like a question mark on top of something. Uh, I would argue that something like a match like Taya Barker versus John Parasa doesn't need question marks. That can just be like a good straight up good match inside the ring. But they added this uh, new factor uh, that we don't really know much about it because we don't really know much about Susan at this point, but we now have this idea that it's not just going to be straight up, you know, one-on-one or even two-on-two. Like there's that one factor out there that we need to think about. Uh We saw Kenny Omega, the good brothers and Callus talk about hard to kill. And it was just pretty much saying Callus like, Hey guys, like there's like, there's a lot of things like on, like on the line, for on hard to kill and we need to really beat the shit out of like swan and the machine guns and and so they're just pumping up carl anderson because he will be taking on rich swan later tonight in the main event uh it was nothing i i'm going to talk about kenny omega (laughs) after i recap this show because I, i think i have like some things to say uh we got our weekly AW commercial. It's the same shit, Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone just uh, running down their show and talking shit about impact. Uh, yeah, I'm probably gonna bring this up too when I talk about Omega. Uh, I don't know, like at this point, this is just like waste of time for me. Mm, we got a video package for Edwards and Callahan. As we know, Callahan and Edwards are gonna be in a barbed wire massacre match at the pay-per-view. And we didn't actually get uh, much from them on this show other than we got this video package and later on we got a promo. Well, actually, no, it's, it's, it's this one where uh, Callahan is cutting a promo about having experience in barbed wire massacres. Uh, there was an OBE versus LAX barbed wire massacre uh, that wasn't actually shown. Like that was the, the match that was too hot for TV. And I, at one point, I, I, I mistook it because I thought the barbed wire massacre he was talking about was with Pentagon. But I don't think that was a barbed wire massacre. I think that was just like a really hardcore match, like a death match. But they did have the barbed wire massacre with LAX. Uh, and so he's just talking about like having experience and you don't know what you're saying. And then it was just like, I'm hard to kill. Oh, yeah. Like I mean, whatever. But I mean, they touched on on the the thing. You know, they, they told you the the they recap the story. Uh, we had Rohi Raju and Chris Bay defeat Manic and Suicide. So if you remember last week, uh, there was this little skit where Rohi Raju and Chris Bay challenged TJP, TJP, to team up with Manic. Uh, for a tag team match because they are trying to unmask uh, TJP. For some reason, <laughs> we had mannequin suicide and no one brought up the fact that this is not the match that Bay and Rahu challenged for. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is this? Like, uh, I don't know. This just felt like they, they probably... I don't know if they just didn't think it through or they just like gave serious shits. Uh, this was not the match that was advertised last week, so I was really disappointed. We are going to have Rahu and Bay and Manic at the pay-per-view and hopefully that uh, solves some things. But uh, I don't know, it was pretty annoying that they just like put suicide there and zero explanations uh the match was okay uh i, I enjoyed the match i i, I mean there are four competent wrestlers just having like a bunch of like exhibition style stuff there's a lot of double teams and like stereo spots so it was good uh next up we had cody deaner along with eric young and joe Doring defeat tommy dreamer be a dq uh dreamer was with rhino and jake this was uh this was a nothing match really I actually didn't like that dreamer had so much offense I am so tired of Tommy dreamer at this point I mean he probably does a lot for impact he's probably like really great guy he's probably like one of those like older guys that helps a lot of the young guys uh, backstage but oh my god I'm so tired of him like just being in everyone's uh feud and and just Like, they just turned Cody Diener heel. He's trying to present this new persona, his new look. And, like, the last thing we need is for Dreamer, of all people, Tommy Dreamer, to get offense on him. Uh, And, I don't know, it was just annoying. The end of the match saw that uh, Cody Diener just started talking shader and pushing Cousin Jake. And Jake finally snapped and, and attacked Cody Diener. Which... Uh, I I kind of wish they would have saved that for the pay per view. Uh, but I mean, oh well, doesn't matter. They so Cody Deaner won by DQ. At the end of the match, uh, like all six men brawled and Doring pretty much beat them up. And uh, Cody Deaner hit a the Deaner DDT on cousin Jake, and then Eric Young hit a power driver on Tommy Dreamer, and that was it. It was meh. <laughs> This was a waste of time. Well, not a waste of time. Just like man, uh, we got a full recap of the Knockouts Tag Team Championship Tournament, so like going over every match, and after that, uh, we saw the the contract signing between Kira Hogan, Tasha Steels, and Havoc and Nevea. and it was just like that, like a contract signing. Uh, Hogan and Steels just talked a lot of shit, and then Nevea and Havoc grabbed them by the neck, and we're like, we're gonna beat your shit. And that was it, like no altercations, no like unnecessary shit or anything or drama. Just like you know, two loud mouths being shut, being shut up. So it was okay. Uh, afterwards, we saw Brian Myers kind of like go to Scott Demore asking for. He said like an opportunity. I I I don't think he said title opportunity. I think he just said opportunity. I don't know it is but uh. And then Josh Alexander interrupted them. As we know, the last, thing, last time we saw these two, they had a match where Brian March defeated Josh Alexander. And Josh Alexander right now is at a moment where he, he's pretty much breaking up with Ethan Page because Ethan Page is an idiot. But uh, at the same time, I think Alexander is just trying to figure out his place. And so it seems like these two are likely going to be a tag team in the future. But at this point, the... Uh, Scott D'Amore just proposed they have a pincer submissions match only. Uh, I guess that would be next Tuesday, but they didn't really confirm it. Since we have the pay-per-view, there was still, like no matches confirmed for next week yet. But that is probably happening next week. That I mean, it sounds good. I, I enjoy Alexander a lot. He's one of my favorite wrestlers on Impact. And Brian Myers has been pretty decent and competent on Impact. So I wouldn't mind. Uh we had Ro- Rosemary defeat Taniel Dashwood, uh oh, who was second by Caleb with a K. Uh there's this story is just barely starting. Uh it started last week where Tanil and, and Caleb just kind of like tease Rosemary about being left behind by Taya once Taya, you know, potentially wins the title. And and so like we had this match already. Uh the match was okay. Like for a Rosemary singles match, this was uh, pretty decent. Um, and Tennille was just like, Tennille is always awesome. <laughs> I love Tennille. Uh, the The thing here is that as Rosemary was getting closer to winning, uh, Caleb uh, interrupted her and spray her. And, and so... Crazy Steve came out and ran out Caleb and so like with that distraction uh, Rosemary was able to to like block Tenille who was using hairspray on her and she hit the spear and won. Uh, So we saw I don't know how far this is going to go but we saw uh, Crazy Steve and Rosemary uh, former DK partners Join at least for tonight, and they're going to be uh, resting together versus Daniel and Caleb at Heart of Kill. I don't know where this is going. I got the impression that Taya is indeed leaving Impact because I think her, her contract is over, and this may be just a way to have Rosemary have something going on, uh, be- like after Taya leaves. I, I could be wrong. Um, I don't really know the Styas like contract status or anything, but this that's the impression that I got from this. And so also to get Tanil and Rosemary in the pay-per-view because they, they are arguably the two of the bigger names in the knockouts division. Um, so I don't know. I, I love Decay. I, I used to love Decay and after Genesis if we can get more crazy Steve and not like goofy crazy Steve. I'm all for it, so we'll see where this goes. Uh, yeah, I don't know, it was okay. Uh, we got Rich Swan who cut a promo on Carl Anderson, pretty much saying that uh we are going to kick your and gallows and Omega's behinds, uh, to say it nicely. And they reminded Anderson that everyone is banned from ringside tonight for the main event, so it was a good promo. But it was one of the better promos that we've had from Swan this like for for this feud. Uh he hasn't really cut many promos on Omega. We got the recap from uh Ethan Page uh, becoming a meme and you know throwing his career down the toilet to, to become like fucking karate man, like that crap. We had a squash match with where Moose defeated Matthew Palmer. So a quick reminder, Matthew Palmer was that guy that answered Moose's three-minute challenge last week and who won by a technicality, but this time it's just like a straight-up match and it was a squash match if you've ever seen one. Moose just beat the shit out of this kid. Uh, Palmer had like one hope spot where he connected with a couple of jumping knees, Uh, but Moose quickly just like shut him down and, and... and won by referee referee stoppage after he just kicked his ass uh i don't know this was what the match should have been last week except we had mac interfere but i don't know it was good we since right now we're building to swan doing things with omega we know moose has a title shot but they're not actually like addressing it just yet like we don't have a date for it um we'll see where it happens but we're still waiting for, for that date and the main event of the show was Rich Swan defeating Carl Anderson. uh non-title match, obviously. The match was pretty good. It was obviously the match of the night. Carl uh, Anderson worked on Rich Swan's left. I think it was left shoulder and arm throughout the match, and then Swan made a comeback. And when it seemed like Carl Anderson was going to regain control of the match, Swan got him with a roll up and the pin and so Swan won. I thought this was I kind of feel like Swan should have gotten a stronger win, but at the same time I don't mind that Anderson was allowed to to look so good and that Swan got the win by a roll up. Uh because even at the end of the match like Swan didn't seem like He got like the win by a fluke or anything. He just outsmarted uh, Anderson before things got worse for him. So it wasn't that bad. Uh, But I I guess I would have liked to see Swan get more offense in the match. And after the match, uh, the machine guns and Swan and Omega and the Good Brothers just all brawled in one of the rooms where the machine guns were watching the show. I mean the match. And that was it. That's where the show went off the air. Like I said, it it didn't really feel like an eventful show, but as a go home show, it touched on all the matches for Hard to Kill and, and you know some of them like had extra stuff added to them. So I can't really complain in, in, the, in those terms. And inside the ring, I I mean the main event was great. I thought that the rosemary and the taya matches were okay and the tactic match was pretty decent too the the rohi and bay versus and suicide it was really the dinner match and the, i mean the dinner match was the worst thing and the moose match was a squash so you can't necessarily say that a squash is bad because it's a squash so i thought it was a, a really competent show inside the ring too if you think about it but that's going to lead us to like a, a quick preview of Hard to Kill. Just quickly run down the matches. I think we already talked about the show, so most of it's going to be there. Uh, we have Havok and Nevea versus Kira Hogan and Tasha Steels for the Knockout stacking Team Championships. We have Janiel Dashwood and Caleb with a K versus Rosemir and Crazy Steve. Uh, this intergender match, we just saw that it was built. This was built on the spot, uh, and, and we just saw why. We have the stupidity of the Karate Man versus Ethan Page. I hope that lasts for one minute because I will not be able to take more. We have Eddie Edwards versus Sammy Callahan in a barf wire massacre. Uh, these matches tend to be good because, I mean, I think these guys are gonna go all out and they're gonna be willing to go like dirty. And this is technically the only. Like death match style match that we have because we have Eric Young, Deaner, and Joe Doring versus Cousin Jake, Rhino, and Tommy Dreamer in an old school rules match. But that is more about using trash cans and chairs and tr- just like garbage. Whereas Sammy Callahan and Eddie Edwards is more of a death match where that's where you're going to see more blood and just more like what the fuck stuff. I think the other one's just gonna be like a bunch of trash around the ring, and that's it. We have Diana Parasso defending the title against Taya Valkyrie. It's just like a singles match. I, I, I have a lot of hopes for that match. I really, really hope that the Susan Kimberly and Rosemary stuff just stays out of the ring and let lets them like have a match because I think, I think those two are probably like the best wrestlers in the promotion. So just let them go. Just let them go we have manic defending the exhibition championship against chris bay and rohi raju um this should be good uh three awesome wrestlers going at it i i have to expect there's going to be a lot of like chris bay and rohit working together and then breaking up you know the usual stuff uh and it's going to be interesting to see if they unmask manic to TJP here i I don't want to see this unmasking storyline go any further. You may as well just either take the title off him and put it on bay or just unmask him here and have him be TJP and just be TJP. I mean, TJP's an idiot as we saw during the week, but at least don't make him be a K-5 idiot too. And the main event of the night, the long awaited match that everyone keeps talking about. Kenny Omega and the Goob Brothers, Carl Anderson and Doug Gallows versus Rich Swan, the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin. So the thing I just wanted to talk about uh, this match is I got a question this week and someone asked me, uh, what do you think about Kenny Omega's uh, ratings bump not really sticking on impact? And that is something that just started to get on my nerves, and and especially like the last two weeks. Can you... like AW is not doing shit for Impact, in in the sense that, uh, when this thing barely started, like people in the internet were like, "Oh, but what's what's AW gonna get out of this relationship?" <laughs> you know, and and. I don't know, like if you see a month later, I have a question. What the fuck is Impact getting out of this relationship? Because all I see is Impact had to change probably their main events to their pay-per-view to include Omega. And they probably had to delay the Rich Swan versus Moose storyline. And now they, they have to build this match with... A guy that they can't really use uh, other than do like skits in a bus. And and so I don't know. Like, imp- like AW is not promoting this at all. I don't think they have promoted this at all. I don't think they ever promoted Omega versus Laredo Kid at Triple Mania. Like, I, like I'm done with Kenny Omega on Impact. On impact. I am dad with when, with Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone on impact. Like, I don't see at this point where this is going. I like, uh, at this point, I don't think we're going to get like that uh, dream ambition that people talked about when it really happened. I was excited too. I'm not going to lie. But at this point, I'm, I'm over that. Uh, like, I don't know, like why hasn't Rich Swan and the Motor City Machine Guns been on on AW to beat up Kenny Omega? You know, like it just feels like super one sided. I feel like AW is getting free publicity, and I don't know. I'm done. I am I. I don't give a fuck about Omega on Impact if Omega's not gonna do anything on Impact, and so I just I am way more invested right now in Moose versus Rich Swan than. Whatever Kenny Omega can do on Impact, like, yeah, like they either pull the trigger and do something properly, or just, you know, get off my fucking show. <laughs> but that is that's that's the last thing I just want to, I'm I've I just wanted to get that off my chest. Uh, because yeah, like I am done with Kenny Omega. I love Kenny Omega. Like Astro as I love him. I love him in AW, but on Impact, I think he's just being. Uh, detriment. I don't think they're really building too much. I don't think they're gonna get many buys from this show. I think a lot of people are gonna watch the show illegally, but I don't think they're gonna get many buys. And so, I don't know. Like, unless we actually do something that puts over impact talent, I am already done with this thing. So anyway, like I I don't wanna f- finish the the show in in that negative note. Um, but. Overall, I think Car to Kill* looks like a really good show. Uh, I am look really looking forward to Deanna Perasso and Taya. I am looking forward to Manic, Chris Bay, and Rohit. Uh, I am looking forward to Edwards and Callahan for for just like bloodlust reasons. And I I I think there's like for instance the Eric Young, diener and Joe Doring match. I don't really give a fuck about Diener at this point. I don't care about Rhino or Dreamer. But like I wanna see Joel Doring wrestle on Impact. I wanna see Cousin Jake. And I and I wanna see Eric Young for sure. Uh so I think that match has potential to be really good if they're willing to go really chaotic and just all over the place. Because I think Rhino and Cousin Jake can really still have like a fast paced just chaotic match dreamer is just going to be there like taking shots and doing his shit I don't care about him but I, I think the other five can have a really good match uh, obviously the main event is going to be like a really good wrestling match but like I said I'm not invested in it in a storyline ba- uh, matter I just want to see like the good wrestling I want to see Tasha Steele and Kira Hogan win the tag titles I hope it's them who wins them uh, so I'm looking forward to that And the rest, I, I don't know, like Karate Man's even page, like I said, I hate Karate Man, so I couldn't give a fuck about it, (laughs) and Tenille versus Rosemary, there's really not a lot of build-up to it, I, I want to see what Decay does as a team again, but I, I don't know, like, I still don't want to get my hopes up on anything unless they actually, like, show stuff, but overall, uh, you know, it, Impact tends to be really... They, since they only have like four big pay-per-views on, uh, in a year, they tend to go all out with them in terms of like trying to do stuff. Like, you know, big stuff, debuts and all that stuff. So, we'll, we'll see how... We'll see what they do. Um, by all means, like, maybe the Young Bucks will be in this show... And we'll see, I don't know. It's 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 promising. I think when it comes to impact and pay per views, there's always there's always something worth watching and even if it's just for for uh you know, whether you wanna see like work rate, sometimes they usually have good matches. I mean Slammiversary and Belford Glory both had like really top level matches. And I mean, hard to kill last year was when Tessa Blanchard won the titles, you know, you know, there's they always go out with they always go out big with their pay-per-views. So we'll see. But anyway, uh, it's been a long, long show already. I think it's time to to close it out for now. Uh, like I said, big, big show, big and for big week, two weeks for Impact. Uh, so. That is it for this week remember to go to itunes or spotify to find the podcast um leave a like a subscription a review whatever is available on whatever platform you can find you can go to twitter to dw revolution where i usually post this show and other stuff and and complain about booking and and trolls on the internet And you can go to TheWrestlingRevolution.com where you can find the written versions of the things that we talk about. As well as Figure 4W Online where you can find my weekly recap of Impact Wrestling uh, that we have been doing live for the last month now that Kenny Omega is in the show. Uh, So without further ado, have a good week. We will talk again next week. Um, I don't know what I'm going to watch this week in terms of Japanese wrestling, but there's always something to watch. Uh, there's a lot of DDT that I need to get back into watching too. But anyway, let's just close the show. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Adios. Well, that's about it. Son of a gun. We've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again for Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye everybody.